0: Hello and welcome to Radio Maria. This is Questions of Faith with me, Tim Hutchinson, and I'm joined today by a new guest on this program, but by no means a new guest on uh, Radio Maria. We have Sister Rose Rowling from the Dominican uh, Priory here in, in Cambridge. Hello, Sister Rose. Oh, just one moment. I think I had the wrong channel open. Hello, Sister Rose.
1: Good morning. It's lovely to be with you.
0: There, we've got you nice, loud and clear. How are you this morning?
1: Yeah, really well. Thank you. Still uh, rejoicing in the Easter octave, as I hope you all are too.
0: Well, we're just beginning, aren't we? It's um, 50 days yes. of Easter and and we're just yeah. at the end of the octave. But um, it's, uh, it is joyous indeed. Um, tell us a little bit about what the sisters were doing on Sunday, Easter Sunday.
1: Yeah, so uh, we really enter quite intensely into um, each of the the Triduum services Um, and this kind of culminates obviously in Easter Sunday, so we were at um, Blackfriars here in Cambridge at the Easter Sunday Mass. Um, and then we have a our tradition in the convent is that we have a, a big Easter meal, and we all make a little something. Each sister makes something to contribute. Um, so that was really lovely to to experience uh, communion together, to share in the Easter joy, and um, and to celebrate. So we had a lovely time together, a lovely meal, a lovely um, community time.
0: And uh, you were telling me the other day that you the. sisters and the brothers then have a second celebration together.
1: Yes that's exactly right so uh, our brothers in Cambridge very very kindly cook for us on um, Easter Monday so we kind of have uh, Easter Sunday part two Um, but the lovely thing about that is we didn't have to do any cooking any washing up they really look after us so we had a a lovely time together with them on Monday.
0: Great good Um, and uh, Tell me, how are you feeling about uh, being put on the spot by our listeners today and answering questions?
1: Oh, I'm so ready. I look <laughs> forward to it.
0: Good. Well, um, there, that's a good time for us to just remind everyone who is listening in that if you have any questions, you can call us and um, Sister Rose and myself will do our best to answer your questions. Um, the number to dial is zero one two two three three seven five. Five six four. That's zero one two two three three seven five five six four. 564 the, the lines are currently open and I'm ready to take to take your call. In the meantime, I wonder if you would just open with a prayer for us, please, Sister Rose.
1: Yes, certainly. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Father, I pray for the gifts of your Holy Spirit of knowledge, wisdom, understanding, prudence. I pray, Father, that you would endow all our listeners with your gifts of the Spirit, that you would inflame their hearts with love and knowledge of you. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Sister Rose. I'm going to give that number out just one more time. Um, We have a few questions that have been sent in either by voice note or by text. Um, but the the real uh, dynamic of this show is that we'd like to have people speaking to us live, calling in, and um, so the number is zero one two two three three seven five five six four. That's zero one two two three three seven five five six four, and we'll take your your call and we'll answer your question as best as we can. In the meantime. I have some a question here from Raj, who is one of our faithful listeners and who often uh, sends us voice notes and, and calls in. So, so here's a question from him.
2: Good morning, Sister Rose. Good morning, Tim. This is Raj. My question is, saint does apply to human beings whose life reflected heroic sanctity. However, we call angels also saints. For example, Saint Michael, Saint Gabriel, and Saint Raphael. As per my knowledge, angels don't have physical body like us. Then, how can angels also be called saints? Please explain. Thank you. Great. Did you hear thank that? you? You heard that? Yeah, I did.
1: Yeah, yeah. thank you, Raj, for your question. Uh, it's a really great question. Thank you. Um, I think where it comes from is um the title saints is it's really a kind of um like a prefix a way of honoring somebody so to be a saint it kind of just means to be a holy one it's just a way of acknowledging somebody's um sanctity somebody's um example somebody's status so um so you're right and that angels are not human angels are immaterial they don't have bodies but we still use the title often um saint michael or saint raphael because the 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 word saint, we're just saying that they're holy. You know, these are good angels. There are also bad angels, but these are good angels. They're helpers. They're here to help us. They're here to be messengers of God. So we're just acknowledging their holiness by using that little prefix of um, saint. So I hope that makes um, a bit of sense there.
0: Yes. I I also was wondering if maybe there isn't something to do with the language that has been... um uh you know going from either latin to english or something like that where a certain word would have a certain connotation um you know a canonized saint but then um that's not necessarily necessarily the meaning of the word uh, when it when it moves from one language to the other but um
1: Yes, I think you're absolutely right with that. Um, and also, um, St. Paul, when he's writing in Scripture, he uses the word saints a lot. And when he uses the t- he talks about the saints of God. And when he uses it, he's really just meaning Christians. You know, he's just the saints he uses as a term for all believers. So you're right in that um, the word saint doesn't just strictly mean canonized human beings. Um, it can also, uh, it's used in different ways in other places too.
0: Great. Yes, um, we're going to go to our first song. I just want to give out the number again uh, for those who'd like to call in. It is, um zero one two two three three seven five five six four. if you have a question. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about baptism when we get back uh, because this at this time of year is a time when we see people coming into the church through the waters of baptism and it's a very exciting very interesting uh, moment in the church's liturgy but um there's a there's a sort of a modern spin on it that i'm I'm interested in us talking about and i've got someone who has a a perspective on it here that we're going to talk about in the meantime here is a song that uh sister rose has chosen and it's called on the altar by upper room Sister Rose, you still there?
1: I am indeed.
0: Good. Okay. So I'm going to go straight into um, what we were wanting to talk about earlier, and that is uh, something around baptism. And I have a good friend of both of ours here. It's uh, Shimon. Hello, Shimon.
3: Hi. Hi, Tim. Good pleasure do? to be here.
0: It's great to have you here. And... You have been also, just like Sister Rose, on Radio Maria previously, though not on this program. Um, Tell us what it is that you've contributed to in the past with Radio
2: Maria.
3: Yes, that's right. Some of you might recognize my voice from the Science and Faith series that we did a couple of years now, Yes, where we interviewed uh, scientists and uh, philosophers of science. um, And we talked about the relationship between science and faith. That was a very interesting journey. So I'm glad to be back. I missed to be in the studio.
0: (laughs) And I I understand that last time you weren't doing things live, were you?
3: No, no, that's right. Yes, it was all pre-recorded and edited.
0: Is this your first time on live radio?
3: I think so. It's probably the first time in my life. (laughs) Right.
0: So you were talking about something the other day that I thought would be an interesting thing for us to talk about on Questions of Faith and with Sister Rose. And that was that um, you help with an RCIA course here in Cambridge, right?
3: That's right. I was very honoured to be a uh, assistant catechist yeah. for the RCA course that started in September and concluded now on and, Easter.
0: And I was um, standing next to you at the Easter vigil when, um, quote unquote, your babies came forward to be baptised.
3: My spiritual babies, <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, but there's something
0: quite unique about this uh, experience at the moment of... Um, are bringing people, helping, assisting people into the church. And I wondered if you could just tell us what that is, um, and then we can talk about it.
3: Yeah, I think it's very interesting when you look at people who come forward uh, to join the RCA class at the first place and then eventually decide to be baptized or confirmed or or maybe receive in the full communion with, uh, with the full communion of the church if, if they have a, a Protestant background or, or another uh, Christian background. Um and it, something that struck me is that there's a great diversity uh in in the in, in all the people that come and and why they come and uh, it, it's really difficult to um you know find the common ground because people come from very different angles but one thing that struck me is always when it comes to uh asking them about their sponsors or godfathers many of them cannot name a person who would be able to uh, to act as their godfather, uh, godfather, godmother, or or a sponsor, and and mostly the reason for that is because uh, they found their faith online. They they in the past it was very common to find your faith, uh, the Catholic faith, through a common uh, friend or relative who was Catholic. Uh, but nowadays it's not necessarily the case.
0: So basically, what you're saying is that people are coming to faith through the internet and then they're finding themselves in RCIA classes for for some other reason, because they want to to be confirmed, but then they don't have sponsors because most of their interaction with the faith has been um, through online materials up up until then. So it's almost like a new phenomenon that we're having.
3: That's right, absolutely. Last year, for example, we had a a very lovely young girl who um, it's actually quite an incredible story. Um, she, f- 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 At some point she, she just found a rosary with a little um, card explaining how to pray it. And she kind of just grabbed it uh, and uh, and she thought she would just give it a try. And uh, she struggled at that point with um, uh, with sleep and some anxiety. And what she found as she started praying the rosary bef- uh, before bed, that would really calm her down and help her with, with the sleep. But with time, she developed that relationship with Our Lady, which was quite remarkable. And then she got really interested in in the whole Catholicism thing, right? So the first thing you do as a 20-year-old, you just Google things, right? Mm -hmm. And she came across a podcast of uh, Father Mike Schmitz, and uh, she absolutely loved the way he explained the faith, and and she she really uh, got into it. And then she presented herself to join the RCIA class, and no one in her clothes... Environment is a practicing Catholic, right? So when it came to the moment where we had to name their sponsor or Godfather, with parent, she didn't know anyone. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, a number of things. Obviously, this is about asking questions, and a number of questions come to my mind when, um, when this story comes to light. And one of the first things uh, I I'd like to ask you, Sister Rose, is um, like, what parts of our faith can be transmitted through the internet? and what parts absolutely cannot?
1: Yeah, thanks for the question. I thank you both, guys. Um, Siobhan, I think you really hit on something that's um, such a kind of key phenomenon at the moment, and that perhaps as a church, we're still a little bit grappling with. Um, but I think what you say is true. In, in terms of what can, we, um, what can we kind of hand on through the internet? Well, in a very general sense, um, kind of basic knowledge. Um, now, I think we always have to be careful where which sources online we're getting our information from but for example the Vatican website has you know the catechism all church documents things like that online um for people to access so these are you know the church's teaching just free available online for anybody to read so I think um, information you know theological knowledge that can be transmitted um, online through podcasts or videos or written materials um but you know our relationship as christians with god which we we are an incarnational people you know we believe that god became man i mean that's extraordinary um so we need to have a physical element there will never be a time in the catholic church where we can just say you know kind of put everything online and just be satisfied with that we have to have the in-person encounter so um and what's really key, you know, relationship is so key, um, relationship with God and also with our brothers and sisters in the church. And there's something about that connection when we meet for Sunday Mass or when we meet for a prayer group where we learn from each other um, just by being with each other, by imitating, by watching, by sharing in in a a physical, tangible sense. So I think we always need to have both. And I think um, there's a part of relationship which has to be done in person, and that's an irreplaceable part um, of building real relationship, of ma- maintaining it, and also of how we witness to our belief in the in- incarnational God.
0: Thank you so much. Do you have any questions that have come yes, out of the Yes, sure.
3: It? No, I, I can only second that, that at the end of the day, um, you know, converting to Catholicism or accepting God, uh, it's not an intellectual exercise. God is not an idea, God is a person, and we are to have a relationship with Him. So, any person who comes forward, we try to, of course, edu- educate them in, in the faith, but also try to help them to build that relationship with Christ, which is, you know, in the very center uh, of it. Uh, what I'd say the role of the um, uh, modern media currently is in the evangelization is. I guess to show uh, the um, intellectual side of their faith. A lot of people uh, who just have a vague idea of religion might be just think that it's kind of some some superstitious. It's not really serious, and uh, um, and I think when when they can uh, appreciate um, how deeply intellectual our faith is, uh, they 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 I think they get a permission to dive into that. Um, which otherwise they would be more reluctant to, to even start considering it. I think that's would be my take on it.
0: I want us to talk about this a little bit more, and, and when we come back after this next song break, I'd like to hear your thoughts, Sister Rose, on some helpful ways in which people can navigate good sources and bad sources um, on the internet. And um, we'll also, we should have the phone lines working um, by the time we get back. So do try that um, The number is 01223375564 01223375564 And um, here is a hallelujah uh, Because it is Eastertide And this is from Vineyard Music
4: Your love is amazing Steady and unchanging Your love is a mountain Firm beneath my feet your love is a mystery how you gently lift me when i am surrounded your love carries me hallelujah 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 your love makes me sing and hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing Your love is surprising I can feel it rising All the joy that's growing Deep inside of me And every time I see you All your goodness shines through And I can feel this God song Rising up in me your love makes me sing it hallelujah 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 your love makes me sing your love is amazing steady and unchanging your love is a mountain firm beneath my feet Your love is a mystery. How you gently lift me when I am surrounded. Your love carries me. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
0: This is Radio Maria, and you're listening to Questions of Faith. A little bit of uh, contemporary Christian music for you, Sister Rose, because you said you love it.
1: I do, I do, I do love it. Thank you. And a great Easter song. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's actually written by a South African, believe it or not. So,
1: oh, there you go. Vested interest there.
0: yeah that's right. And um, you listen to Questions of Faith, and we've been talking about baptism because it's Eastertide and um, people coming into the church through the internet. Um, well, that's a little bit of a misleading statement. People coming to faith. Through the internet, you have to come to the, to the church through baptism. <laughs> and um, I wanted to ask you: uh, Do you have anything else you want to say, Shimon, before we before we move on to the question I had for for Sister Rose? Mm,
3: I don't know if there's anything we want to hear in particular about the, uh, uh, the people that, that come forward or uh, the reasons. As I say, there's great great diversity in there, yeah. and uh, um, so, so, yeah, as I mentioned, some people come th- to the faith through online resources. Uh, as in the story I mentioned with that young lady, some people just have questions, start googling and come across Bishop Baron, for example, mm-hmm. and uh, their ministry, right, and his ministry, they find uh, very useful. And um, other people have uh, something that I would call a bit more dull reasons. <laughs> There's a, a couple uh, who um presented themselves to RCIA and uh and they moved from Singapore to the UK and they just wanted to change something in their life. They 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 changed a lot just by moving here. So they thought, well let's just go full on and then see. But let's let's work on our spirituality because they uh, never really practiced anything and and they just found the Catholic Church, they presented themselves, they went to Risa class and they were baptised and, you, you know. That. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> uh, so, so another thing, which is you know, quite very different, right? So, and, and because they've got that like, diversity, you have people who, uh, who those who come, some of them have really thought about it. They they struggle. They, they they battled with this idea and they come very well prepared. From the first classes, they can quote some saying, some books, sometimes I feel like they could replace me as an assistant catechist. <laughs> they quote the Bible passages and you really see that they, they've thought about it for years. Mm-hmm. And there's some who just, you know, thought, ah, oh, let's see what happens. They, they join, um, they kind of stay for a bit, maybe they drop out, but the next year they come again. And then one, 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 one <laughs> young man uh, from this year, as he said, was like, well, I came last year and I went for one class. It was kind of okay, but I wasn't quite sure. So I came next uh, this year again, and uh, I thought I'd just stick around. And and he just went for the flow, you know. Mm. <laughs> he didn't see any barriers for not being baptized. So wow. Um, but other people do do have barriers, and that's also very interesting. Like that everyone everyone is different as so a catechist. You have to be really watchful and, and, and see what they might struggle with and try to accompany them. Yeah. For some people it's it's difficult to build a habit of regular mass attendance, right? Uh it it's something that struck me because I I'm, I'm a cradle Catholic, so for me it was pretty normal to go to mass every Sunday. But for some it's it's actually a habit they need to build, so it can be a, a difficulty or a, or a challenge, right? For some people, some sacraments can be an obstacle. Um, one person struggled to go to confession to the level that they decided not to, not to be received this year mm-hmm. yet because mm-hmm. they're not ready you know, to be confirmed because like, they're baptized uh, baptized Christian. So, so that, that there are other things that can be an obstacle. Sometimes it's a family. Sometimes mm-hmm. a family is uh, is really against. I, I've I've had people who would say that, their mum uh, would be really against them being received into the church. They could say you could become anyone, but not Catholic. <laughs> and that that actually uh, happens quite often. Yeah. That people who are not uh, necessarily against the idea of of a Theist having a Theist in the family, but a specifically a Catholic. And, but there's also some grace, some rays of grace in all of this, because there's one example of one girl where the family was very anti, uh, uh, and, and that she persevered and, uh, uh, they eventually gave up to the level that the day before the baptism, they decided actually come and they came to mass. I spoke to them and they said that it was really beautiful. Um, so yes, another young man, uh, he brought his dad, who was a cradle Catholic and and the man was almost in tears because he remembered the days from from, his, from the past and the mass was really beautiful here in olam We have a really beautiful liturgy. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it all of through,
0: it. Through Absolutely. I think, I think that's a, a helpful sort of segue into the um question that I was wanting to ask Sister Rose. Um because what what I think we are talking about is is grace working through various means. And we know that the Sacraments are objective means of grace, um, and what I'd like to to know, just from a practical point of view, is when people are coming to the faith through these uh, other channels. The internet is known for being full of filth, really, um, and I think that that's sadly that that's true. Also, in religious spheres, um, you can find yourself uh going down all kinds of dangerous rabbit holes um and being uh, put onto uh some very niche positions that um in the church through the internet and i think that uh, how does one use the internet in a way that is helpful to one's faith and um and edifying and how does one sort of discern between uh good content and bad content and we've already—I know you've already spoken about, you know, Vatican websites and things like that. But but what about the ones that aren't so clear? Ones that don't necessarily come with a, um, imprimatur and in inverted comm- commas, if you will.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Um... I think first of all, you know, I just kind of I really empathize uh with this situation. Um, just because um I was, I'm a convert to, to Catholicism. I came into the church as a sixteen year old girl who was completely clueless, frankly, um, about anything to do with the Catholic Church. I, I just felt drawn to it. Um and uh again, like a teenager, you know my I went away and Googled a lot of stuff. Um and and so I think I think it's really First of all, I think it's actually really difficult um, if you don't, if you kind of, if you're coming in cold, if you like, if you're kind of just exploring um, Catholicism and you're just using the Internet. um, I think it's really hard to initially discern between, you know, the wheat and the chaff, (laughs) the good and the bad, because you just don't have the background or the context. So I think, um, first of all, to say, um, you know, in my experience, um, I Googled lots of stuff and the Internet is, is completely mixed. Right. So you have good stuff. Uh, You have things that are true, you have things that are not true, um, and you just have lots of opinion pieces as well. Um, Now, I was blessed in my own experience to have a a good parish priest and a a really good uh, catechetical formation in RCIA. So that when I was bringing things that I'd read on the Internet, there was somebody there who who was able to say, well actually that's not quite true or have you looked at this resource and so i think that's also where we come back to this idea of why the relational element is so important so you you know we, we pick up all kinds of stuff online um ideally we have um a group of catholics who know more than we do who we can bounce these off and and come to and, and come to understand um what's good you know what's true and what's false um So, you know, there are some solid websites that you can go to, things like Ascension Presents or Catholics Come Home or Catholic Answers or Catholic Online, um, which are just kind of almost like encyclopedias of information, which can be really helpful. And then I think, you know, hope, uh, you know, if you have um, a group of people you can speak to. So if you're going, if you're interested in the church, to speak to a priest or to speak to um, assistant catechists. And, and try to to find out from them. And perhaps also, you know, as parishes, perhaps having a list of resources, online resources that we can signpost people to, could be a useful thing to put together in every parish so that whoever's searching for answers has um, a clear, solid um, places to go that will give them reliable, accurate information.
0: Thank you, that's really helpful. Thanks Jermon for for your contribution today. It's really interesting. Um, If anyone has any other questions regarding these things of both baptism, coming into the church, uh, using online resources, we um, would love to hear from you. Uh, The phone lines are officially working. And the number is 01223375564. Here in the studio, we have um, a question from one of our faithful volunteers and good friend lucia so lucia i'm gonna I'm gonna allow you to ask your question
5: Hi, sorry it's not um anything really to to do with uh what you've been talking about, but it is a question that has come to my mind recently. I don't know why I haven't thought about it before. I've just sort of gone along with it, but I understand why uh the statues are covered in the church before. On Maundy Thursday, I understand that. Um, I understand why his body is removed after the Monday uh, Thursday service, removed from the church. I then don't um, understand why it's why it's brought back in for Holy Communion on Good Friday. I I just assumed that he would be completely removed. From Maundy Thursday until Easter Sunday. So that that's my question. Um it's a bit of a basic question, but is is that okay? <laughs>
1: yeah thank you so much um yeah so it's, it's only last week actually that we celebrate that we were, had um good friday in holy week so it's only been seven days since that time um so basically um what we call the triduum which is Monday, thursday good friday and holy saturday we the church kind of intensely remembers um jesus um passion and then easter sunday the resurrection so we're intensely kind of um, remembering and journeying with the Lord as we see in Scripture so Good Friday um, we don't celebrate mass because we're remembering the Lord's crucifixion so um the mass for us is that uh, we're doing we're, we celebrate mass to remember the Lord's crucifixion And we have uh, the church makes you know we have we can have mass every day but the Good Friday is the actual day we set aside to really enter deeply into the lord's passion so we don't need to have the mass because we're if you see what i mean because we're trying to be with him in his actual sacrifice and um this is uh good friday is like the source of all of all the masses that are going to come for the rest of the church's year so this was the cost this was the price this was the action this was the moment in good friday this is the source of um of of all the other masses that kind of outflow from the pouring out of Christ on Good Friday. Um, and um, the, the evening before Maundy Thursday, you know, we read in scripture that um, Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples. And it was the last time that he did that um, before he died. So we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, and then we, we enter into, we go with him into the agony. Um, which is where we have the blessed sacraments reserved into the altar of repose um, and then no mass until Easter Sunday, because that's, you know, as he said, um, I will not eat the supper again with you until I come back and he comes back in glory. Um, so so that's, that's why. Um, so we continue to be fed by the Lord's body, um, given to us on Good Friday, but we don't celebrate the mass because we're we're there with him in, on good friday. Um does, how how does that sound? Do you have any yeah. follow up questions?
5: Yeah, sorry. I I mean I I did notice I did know that it wasn't a, um uh, a mass. I just didn't understand yeah why we were receiving holy communion on good friday. That yeah, that makes sense. Thank you very much.
1: Yes. So he's still he's still, yes, he's um, still feeding given, us. he's still feeding us um but yeah, we the good friday is like the the, the
5: culmination of his sacrifice. Yeah, beautiful.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks, Lucia, for that question. We have a caller, so I can confirm that the lines are working. mirror hello. Redemira. Hello.
3: Sorry, I, I I oh, muted excellent. the phone. Can you hear me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my heart sunk there. there sorry about that. That's I am here. <laughs> who, who are we speaking to?
1: Um, my name's Georgina, hello, and I Georgina. live in Devon. Lovely. Hello.
0: Okay. Do you have a question for Sister Rose?
1: I do, yes, please. Um, hello, Sister Rose. Hello um, Hello. So my question was about uh, First Holy Communion. My daughter's doing her First Holy Communion this year, and I wondered if um, the the timing of the um, Mass um, for First Holy Communion is a liturgical, liturgically set time, or it just sort of is dependent on the, the parishes. I didn't know if it has anything to do with when Easter falls or... I wasn't sure, so I thought I would ask. Sure, yes. Um, so, um, no, there isn't a, a, a kind of prescribed um, time for First Communions. It really depends on the parish, um, depends on the needs of the parish. So it could be um, different months or different times on a Sunday. Um, there, isn't, there isn't a fixed uh, time for that. Okay. Oh, no, that's brilliant. I just, I just was wondering, um, and, and that's, that's fantastic. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. welcome.
1: Thank you. Take care. <laughs> bye bye.
0: Goodbye. Goodbye. bye now. Thank Bye-bye. you. Is that a friend of yours?
1: No, but but interesting. You know, <laughs> I'm from Cornwall and um, she's from Devon, so uh, country country cousins now. I
3: had a feeling that yeah. Anyways, it's um, a
1: country uh, connection. We're going
3: gonna... Question for me actually
1: because i I'm
3: originally. It's a, it was an interesting question for me actually because I'm originally from Poland and uh, it traditionally. Uh, all first Holy Communion happened in May, in the in the May, in in the month of May. I do not really know the reason for that, but it might be to do with the fact that um, the religious education is part of the curriculum at school, and uh, uh, every school would have that right? every uh, school in Poland, and uh, and the children will be prepared to receive, and um, maybe that's to do with. the Uh, With that, (laughs) so it's always May. I never thought about a first Holy Communion outside that um, time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think culture and custom has a lot to do with it. Um, In this country, I think it tends to be June because we tend to put it near Corpus Christi um just because of the symbolism of that you know the big feasts of um the body of blood of christ and then children receive their first communion in the same month that makes um, sense. But, but that's yeah but that's just a, that's an english kind of cultural thing and, and not every parish um follows that anyway
3: mm-hmm. interesting very interesting
0: yeah so are you saying that in poland um every school does it or do you get non-christian schools these days in poland
3: no every school i think uh Children or parents, rather, have an option to um, to choose whether the child want to be uh, catechized or not. Yeah. Um, but traditionally, most children go through the catechesis at school. It's changing now, of course. But mm-hmm. um, when I was <laughs> at school, everyone would do that.
0: Fascinating. We're going to go to a music break and. Um it's going to be another Vineyard song, another contemporary worship song for Sister Rose, and um, after that we'll be taking some more calls. The lines are working, as you as you can hear, and and, and as you know, the number is zero one two two three three seven five five six four. That's zero one two two three three seven five five six four. Here is "Hungry" from Vineyard Music. Hungry by Vineyard Worship, and featuring Catherine Scott. And you're listening to Radio Maria, Questions of Faith, a program where you can call in and ask us a question. And today we have had Sister Rose Rowling, OP, who has been answering questions with us. And also I've had um, my good friend Shimon in the studio. We've been talking a little bit about baptism and um, coming to faith through some unlikely sources, such as the internet, or new sources, rather. Um, and um, the lines are open if anybody wants to call and ask a question. We've got a little bit of time left before the end of the program. The number is zero one two two three three seven five five six four. In the meantime, I have a question about... This is probably a, a very... Um, not-so-unusual question to ask a Dominican. Um, And um, I've noticed that in popular culture, in popular Christian culture at least, Thomas Aquinas features a lot. You've got even a podcast called Pints with Aquinas, and everybody wants to kind of take a stab at the summa. And I wanted to know what your thoughts were about this, um, Sister Rose, and also... Whether you had any um, books to recommend anybody who wanted to to take a stab at at Aquinas?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, I I too have noticed this kind of explosion in enthusiasm for Aquinas. Um, I wonder whether part of it is motivated by a desire to kind of get back to the sources. You know, um, I think there's it can feel a little bit like we live in a kind of um, Let's say a kind of foundationless uh, intellectual existence in our culture. Um, what what Aquinas does is he has kind of a, a total system, like a complete overview, a complete system of theology, um, which is entirely um, kind of integrated and and makes sense. So it's a whole body of thought which hangs together. And I wonder if part of the attraction in a very kind of fragmented, often seemingly valueless or foundationless world is that there's this really solid body of thought that we call um, kind of scholastic philosophy or or the summa. So so maybe that's motivated it. Maybe there's a a desire or a hunger to understand more deeply um, the church's kind of uh, basic or prime sources. Um, I think for, um, one thing to say is that Aquinas has been called the church's theologian. So he is kind of the theologian, uh, you know, above all, who has really formed and influenced Catholic philosophy and theology. And you actually can't escape Aquinas. Okay, so even if you don't want to go and read him directly, the fact is so much of our, our way of thinking, our method of thinking as Catholics and the content has been shaped by his philosophy and um, if you read the catechism which is kind of um, the complete uh, kind of concise work of uh, christian doctrine the catechism is majority aquinas and after him it's augustine who he built on um, so he's, he's unavoidable anyway you will encounter Aquinas' thought whether you know it or not just by accessing um catholic um literature um, in terms of what what could be a good starting place, um, well, you know, the Summa the, the, the is available online for free. And um, perhaps uh, kind of contrary to expectations, it's actually really pretty accessible if you just want to have a stab at the first uh, kind of the real thing, because it's all set out in question and answer format. And actually, he's pretty accessible for modern people, surprisingly. Um, so you could have a stab at the real thing, which is available online. Alternatively, there's um, the compendium, which is like a little handbook to the Suma, which can all, which is you know much shorter, um, and can be a good resource to to again kind of introduce you to it. Um, and if you're not perhaps so into um, written resources, I would really recommend something called um, the Thomistic Institute, which is. Um, a set of podcasts called there's a set of podcasts called Aquinas 101 available online and they're like little five ten minute videos that just give you short snippets into the thought of Aquinas and um, taught by Dominican friars and that can just kind of start to break open some of this and, and perhaps you can discover a taste for it and um, The one thing I would say it's important to know with reading Aquinas is to get your head around his use of language because he uses words in ways um, that we wouldn't understand them in the same way now. So the way in which he uses words like accident or substance um, would be understood differently in our context. And actually the key to Aquinas, I think, is understanding his meaning and use of particular technical language, but if you can master some of the language, I think he he really is quite accessible and offers a, you know a comprehensive body of thought.
0: Thank you. That's so helpful. That brings us to the end of this program for today, questions of faith, which is. Um, Broadcast every week at the same time and um allows people to call in and ask questions. Sister Rose, it's been so lovely having you on. And um I do hope that we can have you again in the future through what um I have coined the digital grill. Um yes. between yes. the convent and 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 me right now. Um that's that's Google Meets, just in case somebody wasn't sure what I was talking about. Um and I wonder if you just end with a short prayer. We're we're, we're just out of time, so uh, and we'll sure. Thank you.
1: Thank you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning, as we search for you more deeply, delving into your words, your teaching. Father, may you continue to enlighten our hearts and our minds as we continue to learn and to grow in the faith of Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Amen.